Welcome, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your two hosts, Kurt Flagel, and this is the other one. Chris Woolwind is here, and, and there's another want, one. And there is a, our producer, Annie Keith. Hello, Annie. Hello, Kurt. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing, doing lousy. Well. How about you? Oh, okay. Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> doing lousy. Well, we and how are you out there, who uh, our viewers and listeners? I guess listeners would be the correct. Yeah, I don't analogy. think they're viewing anything. And maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe they're going to join us in viewing uh, our navels in this one. We're talking about forgiveness for life hurts, God heals, and that was pretty flippant. So forgive me because we. This is a heavy topic. This is a, this can be a, a very heavy topic for people. There's nothing I think that we struggle more with is when we've been hurt by people. And maybe sometimes we even feel like we've been hurt by God in certain ways and we struggle with forgiveness. So even though I've, I'm I'm joking around here a little bit, this is this is going to be an important topic for us and and so before we begin talking, I I definitely want to say uh, we would we really welcome not only people to listen to Life Hurts, God Heals, but we also invite you and actually ask you um, to join us in talking, dialoguing with us, asking us questions, making comments on what you've heard, yelling at me for making bad jokes, that kind of thing. So here's the number. You can call in at 323 323- Five eight zero five seven five five. That's three two three five eight zero fifty seven fifty five. You can call in and talk to us. We would love to talk to you. Probably in about twenty five minutes or so, we will um, in- invite you to do that. Also, you can go right to blogtalkradio.com, which you most likely are there if you're listening to us right now. And there's a comment section there. You can ask your questions there. Even if you don't want to be on the radio at all, you don't want to be right. like verbally. You're like, no, that's not me. Um, obviously, that's not that is me, and that is Chris, and that is Annie. We don't we don't mind that. But you know, my wife, for instance, wouldn't be caught dead calling in and having her voice on a radio show at all so if that's you you can type in those comments and we will get those questions if you want us to to talk about them uh, uh, on the show and also we would just love to know that you're out there because it's nice to know that we're not talking to crickets that would be great so tonight (laughs) we're talking about forgiveness It's a huge topic, as I said. And so I want to start off this just before uh, we talk about this. Chris, anything like we – I think it's important we have new people. We're not just going to assume because you know what that gets us. We're not just going to assume that people are the same people every week. So would you introduce yourself, give a brief introduction of who you – a little bit about who you are? Yes. So my name is Jiminy Cricket. Oh no, that's the crickets <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> oh man. I am. I'm Chris Woolwind, uh, father of six kids, adult grown kids, and seven grandkids. Um, and I'm still feeling pretty young after all that. And let's see. Um, uh, 
born in Arizona, Prescott, Arizona, raised in Hawaii for a good part of my uh, growing up years. Um, let's see, after, after uh, seminary, uh, decided, I actually decided <laughs> that I wanted to do uh, ministry for the Lord and have done that being a youth pastor and music pastor and uh, do everything kind of pastor and then uh, eventually uh, a senior pastor in a couple of churches. Been in, in pastoral ministry for about 30, well, about 31, 32 years, something like that. And all in the in-between time, worked in various secular jobs, uh, truck driver, delivery driver, restaurants, um, what else, retail, those kinds of things. Um, and voila, here I am on the central coast of California working at, I could do a little shout out here, Atascadero Christian Community, which is a assisted living facility and memory care facility. And I am their full-time pastor, and that's what's that's my life right now. Thank you, Annie. How about you? Well, let's see. I'm gonna that's go a deep subject. with wow. yes. <laughs> that is a deep subject. Um, I am Annie Keith. I am originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I moved here. I can't remember the year. Now, it's within 14, 15, 16. I don't remember. It was, I think it was like 2015, let's go with, because that just sounds good. Moved to California, okay. the central coast here, and got a, my, myself a job at Cal Poly and absolutely loving life in my world. Yay. Cal Poly is our tiny little university here in San Luis Obispo, where I live. And where Annie works, small university of about 20,000 people in a city that's another 45,000, would you say? So tiny, tiny. And I get to uh, pastor a a small church community here in our city. And if uh, I said this a few weeks ago, if you hear me saying slow in terms of a location, I'm not talking about a speed. I'm talking about San Luis Obispo. We uh, typically just say slow here, and I might slip into that, so please forgive me. And <laughs> on that note, Chris, Ta-da! Would you, would, <laughs> a perfect segue. <laughs> would you, would you please? Uh, you know, I think we all have these stories, right? And stories are powerful. For as we listen to each other talk about our stories, that helps us hear elements of another person's story in our own life and, and it encourages us, strengthens us. Would you tell us a little bit of your own story of hurt and a time where you had to struggle through to forgive someone or some peoples, more yeah. peoples than just one? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's unfortunate that we have to forgive so many people in our lives. <laughs> And it's unfortunate that I need forgiveness from so many people in my life. Mm. Um, Ain't that the truth? That's that's just the human malady of things. Uh, So I've been pondering uh, uh, which actions of individuals without naming names um, 
there was a and and you know you and I Kurt talked about how yes pastors get hurt because we're people too and uh, there's not a lot that that we can do to get away from the need to forgive because we are imperfect people working with imperfect people, or as I like to say, broken people working with broken people. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be, uh, uh, gosh, more than two decades ago, I was a young associate pastor, music pastor, working in a congregation and um, uh, the senior pastor and I were having some difficulties, <clears throat> philosophically speaking, and so forth. And, and then at uh, one, uh, after being there maybe three years, two and a half or three years, um, unbeknownst to me, they, uh, he and the leadership had had a discussion and decided that it was time for me to go. And uh, were you in that discussion, or that was without you? That was without me. Okay, so this is behind closed doors kind of thing. Yes, yeah. And uh, it wasn't for any sin or anything like that. It was just a disagreement, I guess. Uh, I I wasn't the person for the job. I guess would be a nice way to say that. But but the hardest thing about it was that. they called me, not they, but the, the pastor and, the, and the, one of the leaders called me in that morning. Uh, to, they wanted to speak to me, and it was my birthday. happened to be my mm-hmm. birthday. And so went into the office, and that's when they told me that uh, um, uh, it was time for me to go. And uh, that, was, that was difficult, but that's not what needed forgiveness. <laughs> okay, it was... <laughs> Um, what was, what was odd was that, um, they asked me, did I want the congregation to know right away or did I want to look for another ministry and then inform the congregation? And, uh, I said, well, let's, let's wait and so forth. So did that. And, and that afternoon, unbeknownst to me, my wife had, uh, arranged for a, surprise birthday party for me that afternoon. So she had invited all my friends and so forth. And, uh, uh, but unexpectedly the senior pastor shows up. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and he wasn't invited. (laughs) (laughs) And, that just had a huge effect, a huge effect on me. And that was kind of the beginning of things because then uh, as I began looking for another ministry and so forth, I thought, you know, th- this is okay. But, but uh, um, I began to discover that there were other reasons behind the stated reasons mm. that I was being let go. And and the reasons were even being hid from the leadership as well, because unbeknownst to me, um, the pastor was having an affair. And, um, and what's interesting is before I was let go, for about two or three months, I was being asked 
by him how I felt about working with a divorced pastor. And it was clear he didn't like my answers. <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, and he said, well, what would it take for me to work with a divorced pastor? And I said, are you thinking about? He says, no, I'm just thinking in a broad stroke, you know, about situations like this. And he just gave me a, you know, a, a pretend scenario of that. And I said, well, this is what I would expect. I would expect that that pastor would need to step down for perhaps a year uh, or even longer and that he would move into an accountability relationship with a group of elders from another church or another congregation. And uh, he would be in some way still connected with our current church, but it would be, uh, of course, after a, 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 a truly repentant confession um, to the congregation. And if he was faithful with that other uh, ministry, then then perhaps, uh, and if there was a good effect on reconciliation for the family and, and all those kinds of things. And, uh, and then we had another discussion, you know, a couple weeks later, and it was kind of along the same thing. And I just thought it was a little odd, but I didn't think anything of it. And then three months later, uh, I'm being asked to go. And then uh, three months later, um, it's found out that, that he is having uh, not just there, – there's, there's just some terrible things going on at the home, and the leadership didn't know anything about it, and it turned out he had lied to the leadership, lied to some others, and so forth. And the thing that needed my forgiveness was the great, great hurt that happened to the congregation hmm. because this this gentleman was – well-loved, great teacher, uh, really expounded the scriptures well, and yet uh, was hiding in, in his own sin. The delusion of that sin that often comes is, is that kind of delusion thing. But I found myself in a, in a very hard place that I had never been before, not to that extent. And... Uh, so yeah, that's that's the scenario of my forgiveness. That needed two, forgiveness. Can, yeah. Two things. Uh, one, talk about that delusion part a little more. Like you were saying that in in sin, in in a, in a moment of where he is hiding things from yeah. other people, there's delusion in that. Can you can you um, expand on that? Just what that what you mean by that? Well, a delusion, at least, you know, you have an illusion, which is something that is, you're seeing something that's pretend. So it's kind of related to that. But in my mind, a delusion is an all-out belief in something that is, that either may not be true or uh, it's not, it's not true enough to live your life on. It's, it's your, uh, when we talk about being disillusioned, you know, you, you discover after you realize you've been living a delusion that now you're disillusioned. <laughs> okay. 
Um, and it's the strangest thing, I think, about sin is that, you know, obviously there are different levels and complexities and kinds of sin that we as humans uh, participate in. But there is a kind of sin that happens, and maybe the context of that sin comes out of a great hunger or a great need or a great dissatisfaction with life or depression or the need to rebel. I don't know. It can, I think it can happen at any number of levels. But there is something that is so uh, overwhelming in that individual's life that when there seems to be or appears to be the illusion of relief, we jump in headfirst, uh, dive in all the way down to the deep, deep, and we find ourselves uh, swimming in something that we think is real, but it's not the truth. And uh, and so um, in the case of, say, um, a person in an affair, there is this sense of I'm right and everybody else is wrong. This is my new life. It's brought health and healing and wholeness to me, but but probably not. Hmm. Uh, now, not a, I can't even say probably. The answer is no, it didn't. It didn't. If anything, it redirected emotions. It redirected, hmm. Hmm. Uh, brought us to different places. And it doesn't have to be just an affair. It can be any number of habits or a developing addiction even. Um, and so we begin to, as we develop this delusion, we actually begin to rationalize our spiritual life around it. So we can begin to use the scriptures and reinterpret the scriptures to actually build a foundation around that, uh, around that delusion. Um, how, how does I don't one know get that, out of I'm that. that? No, yeah. I mean, that's fascinating. How does one get out of like when you're when you're at a point where you are you are self-deceived by your yeah. own hiding your own stuff, yeah. right? And now you're you're at a point where you're so self-deceived that you are interpreting scripture as justification for your actions. Which happens, right? Um, oh my I, gosh! I, I think you referenced it with this particular guy who was pastoring. That that maybe that's what you're talking about. His delusion that there is justification mm-hmm. happening around that. So how does somebody, you know, like this? This does work into the process of forgiveness when it's when you're seeing this in somebody else and confronting them, and then they're attacking you. You're trying to help, and they're attacking you over this and, and, you know, like sending it back your way where now they're right. Instead of looking at themselves they're they are, what's the word I want to say? They, they're, they're putting it on you yeah. rather than dealing yeah. with it themselves. Um, there's a word and I am totally blanking on that. All I got, they're is blaming like, you. <laughs> yeah. They're, but they're, but it's their stuff that they're yeah. deceived. And now, Instead of seeing it in themselves, it's called transference. Yeah, yes, transfer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how how do you? I don't know if there's an answer to this, Chris, but how? See, would I was going to say, Kurt, I don't know. This is a this is a difficult, a difficult 
Um, I don't I don't have a clean answer for that um, because I, I think even when I look at perhaps even my own delusions like sometimes in leadership um, we can think we're right and we can surround ourselves with people who agree with us mm. and we begin to change our environment to agree with what we believe is the truth and what is right and um, and to escape out of that is very difficult I, I think honestly you just need to be hit by a Mack truck <laughs> from God <laughs> One I, I mean literally coming right it, up. <laughs> to, to, yeah and God is in the business of sending Mack trucks <laughs> he, can I quote you on that? <laughs> he, he has come my way in very serious, powerful, crushing, stripping. Uh, I might even call it a holy destruction of pride in my life. And, um, and, and oftentimes the, the, re, the recuperation and the healing can be months or even years but but in that process, uh, it's it's his grace that begins to help us look at our previous direction and to be able to see not only where we went wrong, but why we went wrong and why we were so defensive about our wrong mm. and our wrongness. That's the delusion is that we I mean, this is how deep and terrible sin can be in the lives of pastors Christian workers, missionaries, mission workers, uh, you know, even assistants in the mission field, you know, um, behind the scenes administrators. See, none of us is exempt. And and uh, and I see now why Paul and the scriptures spend so much time dealing with sin, you know, Mm. talking about sin and talking about repentance and forgiveness and cautions and don't go down this road or stay away or protect protect yourself preparation all these things yeah one of those is interesting that you bring that up that brings to mind in hebrews which is uh for those who are unfamiliar with hebrews it is the jewish letter uh is a letter to the jewish uh, believers in the first century Right. And in that in that letter, the, the author of it says to be careful to guard yourself against a bitter root that would grow from yeah. unforgiveness because it's deceiving. That's actually you know when unforgiveness when we when we harbor bitterness over something someone does that um, we actually become deceived. Yeah. If we harbor that, it, it, yes. so that your heart was, it's not hardened by its, by its deceitfulness, by its deception. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's really I was, a crazy thing, Kurt, is, is it's not just the person you're trying to forgive who might be living a delusion or creating harm by their delusion, but this, uh, the harm itself. Be, can become bitter and 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 move us into a place of delusion. That's really good. 
Yeah. And one of those delusions, I think, for us, if we don't deal with it, here's one where the harm um, can, I think, it's, I'm thinking about this, the harm that can come to us when we don't let go of and forgive, if we don't let go of the hurts and work our way through it, it's a hard process. It's a hard process. We're going to talk about the processes of forgiveness before we get off. But one of the dangers in that, in that self-deception or that deception that can come when we don't release the hurt is that we begin to take on an identity. The hurt becomes mm. an identity in our mm. lives. Shame, right? Yes. For instance, if we are hurt time and time again by in a certain pattern, like say yes. like a bully, a friend, we have a friend who turns into a bully and that happens. All right. And that friendship ends and then it ha- and we get a new friend and that happens again. We have a new friend and they become a bully. And, and if we, and this go, this pattern continues and we don't deal with that. We don't deal with the hurt and we don't forgive. What we can begin to take on is this, this message that we begin to, to um, accept. And the hurt speaks and it speaks shame. And it says the reason you're being treated like trash is because you are trash. And so the idea of when, when there's a difference, be- I say this, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is feeling bad about what you've done. Shame is feeling bad for who you are or who you think you are anyway. And, and we, and the hurt, this is the danger of not forgiving that we, we don't release the hurt. And then that hurt begins to speak to us because we have not surrendered it to God. We have not walked through the process of, even though it hurts to face the hurt, we have not dealt with that. And then it begins to speak an identity into our lives over and over again because we have not released it. Yeah. And so one of the things I say about forgiveness is it's, um, it is like the idea of unforgiveness is letting the person who has hurt us live rent-free in our mind and our heart. Right. And they continue to speak the same hurtful things over and over and over again to us so that we begin to receive those and begin to believe those things. And so forgiveness is the eviction notice Uh that we give to free ourselves, to kick them out of our hearts and minds so that we're free. In fact, as uh, as I was praying this morning, what what came to me was this thought. I had a dream the other day where um, a guy I know jumped out of a bush and tried to mug me in this dream. Right? It was a really okay. weird dream. And I I um I, you're I famous to, for those. <laughs> I am, and I tried to like you know show myself strong and like put up a front like okay I'll fight you, and then he pulled out brass knuckles with huge spikes on them and I ran away, right? And then um, in the dream I go to back to uh, find a couple of my friends, and we and we start collecting baseball bats and and knives and we're going back to confront the guy, and in. In my uh, in this dream, I'm thinking to myself, I know I should be calling the cops right now, but I want to go do harm to him for the harm he's done to me. Right. And 
and here here's the thing, you know, about that is the the what I as I was processing that this I, I think I believe it was God. A thought came into my mind and it said you can either break legs or you can break free. Mm, that's good. And that's the truth. We can either try to, you know, hold on to hunt. We can hold on to unforgiveness and, and want justice and see them hurt, or we can be free. Those are our two options. And uh, as far for me, I would say the one that comes to mind, and I was going down the, I've got a lot of church wounds uh, being on staff for, not as many years as you were on staff at churches, Chris, but I have a number of church wounds myself from leadership and things like that. But I don't I, think, I think you can be a pastor without church wounds. It's just, and it's, it comes with the territory. And it's interesting to me because I think it's interesting because a lot of the times people will leave churches and I, and I, you know, I've experienced this myself as being under, you know, other pastors and leaders that a lot of people talk about church wounds coming out of churches as people in the community or the congregation or however you phrase that. But I think a lot of people don't, don't stop to consider that those who pastor are humans too. And there have been many times we've been rejected by people who have blamed us for things that didn't want to face their stuff. And we were trying to help them. And how many times we are pouring ourselves into people's lives and getting nothing in return. And in fact, being, you know, hated for having to help people heal and having to point out things to them. So it's interesting on that, but I'm not going to talk about um, church wounds. Actually, I'm going to talk about an experience I had with someone in my family who will remain nameless. But when I was a little kid, I, I was, um, I was in a family situation where some of, of our family members were, 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 Christians, and I was not considered to be that. I did not consider myself that. I believed in God, but um, I, I was, I would not consider myself any. You know, like I went to church because my family forced me to. And one day, I was, I was, in my house early in the morning, and one particular person in our, in our family. I was the only one awake, and I was eating breakfast. I was about 12 or 13 at the time. And I'm eating cereal, and this person walks through in their slippers and, and bathrobe and goes to the bathroom and comes back. It's early, early in the morning, and they stop by me, look down at me, and I'm just eating my cereal. I'm, I haven't said anything to them. And they look down at me with this clear look of disdain on their face. And say, you're going to hell. And just like that, shuffle off back into their room and close the door. I'm left there with a spoon in my hand, mm-hmm. my mouth open, stunned. Like, what just happened? Yeah. And it was so unprovoked. It was so out of the blue that that memory stuck with me for a long time. And I, I said numerous times, if that's a Christian, I'm never going to be one. Yeah. And years, years later, the person came to me after I had come to an encounter with Jesus and, 
and um, chosen to follow him that they came back and asked me for forgiveness. It was a really cool moment. And I was able to say in that moment, I've already forgiven you. Yeah. I've already forgiven yeah. you. So and that, I would like to talk about the process of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. What, you know, um, what is, well, first of all, before, well, okay, let's go with the process of forgiveness. But first, we'll stop <laughs> and we'll ask Annie, our wonderful producer, if there's anything, any announcements, any commercials, anything we need to talk about. Nope, everything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nope, there's nothing you need to talk about. End show. I'm just. End <laughs> show. Some people show. would thank you My for God. that. <laughs> if we have to wake I... her, you know, we'll just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So we would like to thank Link Local Network for hosting our show Um, tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Yes, I got my time zones correct this time, people. Be excited. (laughs) So at 3 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow, we will be having a community voice chat with members of the Link Local Network. And what they're going to be talking about this week is helping people fall in love with technology. You know, this is the love of my life, is technology. (laughs) However, I will be at work, so I cannot join. So you will not get to hear my beautiful voice. And then Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, we will have the Pillars of Franchising. And Sunday at 5 p.m., we will have the Road to Recovery. So those are our pieces. I, someone asked me about the road to recovery just to reiterate that they were, they really were interested in tuning into that. So can you say that time for the road to recovery one more time? So road to recovery is Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, one Oh, what's that? <laughs> just said Pacific. Pacific. And I want to be Pacific right now and tell you that we have a phone number that a very Pacific phone number that if you want to call in and talk to us and hopefully make better jokes than I do, our number is 323-580-5755. We would definitely invite you into this dialogue about forgiveness. We would love to hear you and your thoughts, your questions, even stories um, that you have from your own life. It would, it would, definitely be enlightening for all of us. So that's 323-580-5755 or you can go to blogtalkradio.com and you can hit uh, the comment, look for the comments part and ask your questions there. Make your comments there. In fact, any any comments or anything yet? No, but you can also go to our Life Hurts God Heals page and I'm on there chatting. But oh. nobody's chatting back at me. I'm just chatting with myself right now. So, you know, just saying. I think uh, Billy Idol wrote a song about that called Chatting with Myself. <laughs> it well, happens wait. quite often with me. <laughs> well, um, when you say the the Life Hurts God Heals page, is that on – Where? how do they find that? Well, all they have to do is they're on the blog talk radio. I actually added a link that says chat live with us now, and they can click on that. Okay. 
Excellent. So they have to do the, they have to do the search for life hurts God heals. Then well, technically they're already tap. there. Okay. Because okay. that's where they're listening to us. So you know, okay. you guys are here on the page. Just click that little link I added in there, because as you know, tomorrow we're talking about our love of technology. <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> Obviously, and I love my love technology. It. Some of us love it more than others. <laughs> Um, okay. That's Amore. Okay. <laughs> Process. Yeah. Well, this is really get, good. This is. You've been brilliant, Chris. I have. No, <laughs> there's nothing I need to forgive you of right now. I just want oh, you okay. to know it's been well, great. Well, I'll try and fix that. Okay. So, <laughs> before we go to process, though. Okay. Um, this is an intriguing – I want to bring in a scripture for a moment, sure. and that is Matthew. So it is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. One of them is Matthew, and it's the sixth chapter of that account. There's a verse, verse 14 and 15 where Jesus is talking, and he says he has just given them a model for prayer, and then he says – at the end of that model, he's, he's talking about forgiving others. And then he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I have to say, Chris, that has been a tough – those are Jesus' words, so I know that they're true. Uh, for me personally, I believe that with all my heart. However, I've ha- wrestled with my own understanding of what Jesus is saying there because it sounds kind of harsh in some ways. And and so before we get into the processes part, I would love to just talk a little bit about this particular passage. It's a it's a tough one when it comes to forgiveness. And so do you, do you, how would, for you, and, and how would you interpret this uh, from your own experience, from your own study? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I think it's important um, when we have these kind of cut and dry, black and white kind of statements that with Jesus happens a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, we sometimes talk about, you know, well, there's lots of gray area with God. Uh, and most pastors go, well, uh, we have to be careful of that <laughs> because Jesus often didn't have a lot of gray area, particularly for those who should know better. Mm. Uh, religious leaders, uh, with religious leaders who say they know God but actually do the opposite, uh, there's very little gray area. But for new believers, uh, new pe- people who who only beginning to contemplate who God is or who Jesus is, boy, there's lots of grace, lots of grace for mistakes and misunderstandings and so forth. And and I just see that happening uh, all through the Gospels, and then there's always the encouragement by Jesus, but don't sin anymore, you know, or uh, uh, guard yourself, you know, that that kind of thing. Don't get into the same situation you got into again, 
But um, the reason I bring that up is because when we're dealing with these, like this issue of forgiveness, and, and if we don't forgive, then the Father won't forgive us. Well, a larger circle, would we would have to understand that God is full of mercy, and God is full of compassion, and God is full of wisdom and understanding, and he knows that there are uh, misunderstandings about forgiveness, and he knows how difficult it is to forgive. And so, yes, this is a very real line that Jesus is drawing, and uh, and what's interesting, it's a line that actually for us human beings uh, to forgive perfectly is practically impossible. Hmm. Okay, It's like the Beatitudes. I mean, really, when you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus goes into a long line of things about the kingdom of God and the nature of God that are actually pretty impossible for the average human, you know, uh, to and be we're all poor the in spirit. Human. We're all the average <laughs> human, average, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so five, six, and seven is is marvelous because it it tells us what God is like. It tells us what the kingdom of God is like. Tells us what all the expectations of heaven are like, but then it puts us in this position of going, but uh, we can't get there on our own. We are not perfectly righteous, and we are not perfectly pure, and we don't have perfect thinking and all these things, which is why we need a Savior. And that's really the, the whole issue is that we, we really need Jesus, and we really need Jesus to help us forgive the way forgiveness needs to be given. We really need his forgiveness in order to forgive others. Isn't that interesting? Well, okay. We need to experience his forgiveness in order to be able to forgive. But then knowing that, let's say we experience his forgiveness, but we are unwilling to forgive, then we have this kind of future sense in this passage that you brought up that when judgment comes... We should have known better. In other words, if we are unwilling to forgive, even though we've received the gift of forgiveness, then God is going to withhold um, forgiveness. Does that make sense? It's, yeah. There's this, it's, it's a much bigger and broader sense. So first we begin with the compassion and the mercy and the wonder of God's love. And that he's willing to forgive us all of our trespasses because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Cool. But then, and it's not just Jesus here, but throughout the New Testament, there is this compelling uh, teaching that says, now forgive one another. Yeah. Just as you have been forgiven in Christ. And, think, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say on that it, do you think, going back to that idea of accessing the forgiveness for ourselves, you, you mentioned that Jesus is, God is pouring out his forgiveness on us. Would you say that that could be the issue, honestly, that the idea of, of, of saying a prayer, asking God to forgive us, is one thing. But really, the idea of God always willing to forgive us, always holding out forgiveness to every human being, whether yeah. they're smarter than the average human or 
understand more than the average human. I keep thinking of Yogi Bear as you talk about that, smarter than the average <laughs> bear, by the way. That shows my age. But the idea of receiving forgiveness is an issue for us, that more yeah. than we realize, what do, is there a sense in this passage that it isn't that God is holding, withholding, and I'm asking this of you, Chris, would you see, yeah. say there's a sense in this that God isn't withholding forgiveness from any of us, that we are not actually, when we won't forgive others, we're actually demonstrating our refusal to receive it at a heart level. To, yeah, to, really, yeah. to yeah. really receive God's forgiveness. In fact, that there may be issues there for if we have unforgiveness towards another person, that there are areas that of that we haven't forgiven ourselves. Right. That, Right. That we haven't allowed God's forgiveness to be to re, like we've resisted more than we realize. Maybe mentally, head knowledge, we accept God's forgiveness, but we have not walked through healing in our own life and from the things we've done. And I talked about shame, the the mess, the hurt that we experienced that we hold on to can create a, a a message to us of shame of who we are. But also, isn't that true that as we hurt other people and we don't and at some fundamental level receive God's forgiveness, we don't allow our, ourselves to be forgiven, that we have also um, listened to a message of hurt in that regard of the things we've done has created shame in us that says, you know, like someone said it to me um, not too long ago. They said, you know, I've come to a place that, you know, that I've just – determined that I'm a jerk and that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. That that is actually, you know, the, the, there's a point in there that they're not receiving right. forgiveness for themselves. They're not forgiving themselves. Would you yeah. say that that could be the framework for this passage? Yes, it it is a framework, uh, a beginning framework. There, there is so much, uh, to this because when we enter into a committed relationship with Jesus, there is a supernatural divine connection that has taken place now. He has uh, cleansed us and, and pardoned us. Okay. In fact, that's, that's what forgiveness is, is, uh, and I, I liked when you talked about, uh, you know, breaking legs or breaking bars, Free. you know, whatever. Breaking yeah. Freedom. Freedom. Or breaking chains, right? Because actually, the 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 meaning of pardon is to give up the desire or the power to punish. Okay, you're you're giving that up, uh, um, which kind of referenced that little that little phrase you used, and and it got me thinking about this that that before I entered into this divine connected relationship with God, I can forgive and I can choose to forgive. Everybody in the world can do that, but I can't do it perfectly. Mm. I can't do it in a way that says I've cast this sin as far as the East is from the West. I can't say it'll never come up and, and not bother me. Hmm. Okay. I, 
I can't say that. However, because of my divine connection with God, okay, now I'm a child of God, and I have everything I need in Jesus. We're complete in Christ, Colossians 2.10 says. Peter in the first, second Peter 1 talks about we have everything we need for life and godliness. We have all these capacities, the fruits of the Spirit, um, to now actually forgive in a supernatural way. That is, to actually create a permanent release. Now, I have that capacity, Chris does, but I don't always access that. Mm. In other words, I can go back to my old fleshly way and just forgive the best that I can. See, uh, because some of the wounds that we have are so deep. I'm thinking of those who have suffered sexual abuse or molestation uh, over many years. Those are those are deep, deep ravines in the soul, and uh, that takes an extraordinary kind, extraordinary kind of forgiveness to actually be able to cross the other side and to refuse the power to punish, you know? And, uh, and so I do think there is this uh, ability that, that is there, but learning how to access that forgiveness uh, daily or on some of these big, big hurts in our lives, that takes, it still takes a decision but it actually comes back for me. Now I'm just speaking for me because I don't know that this is necessarily lined out in script, scripture clearly. Maybe there's some listeners that can do that for me. But for me, I, what has helped me get through the big hurdles of forgiveness is to realize that the person that I need to forgive was forgiven by Jesus. Hmm. In other words... I actually need to take the punishment that I want to give and I need to put it on the cross of, of Jesus and understand, no, Jesus paid for that person's sin against me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yes. in that sense, I'm, um, I'm letting Jesus take the punishment for the person who hurt me. And somehow, when I've done that, that has lifted the heaviness of what has happened to me because of my love for Christ, because mm -hmm. of my love for God. And, and in doing that, that's why when I think of – I was pondering this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others, mm -hmm. you know, that there's this – there's this along the way as we go through life kind of exchange and understanding um, as, as we realize God has forgiven us, uh, we forgive others. As we forgive others, we are putting, putting the punishment that we feel that that needs in the hands of, of Christ and, and the punishment that he took that he took it for us. Well, let's talk about that process. Cause, and I really appreciate the fact that you brought up some of those really, you know, some of the things we've been talking about are, are yeah. 
you know, they're, they're wounds, but to be, and, and there's a violation, you know, uh, of our, of our worth as humans and the things you and I talked about, but I really appreciate the fact that there are some, there are deeper violations and you talked about the sexual abuse, like to a point of, you know, that as what I like to say is, you know, sex is the communion of marriage. It's, it's, you know, we take communion, the, the, the wine or the juice and the cracker or the bread as, as those moments to remember the marriage we have to Jesus, right? To the marriage we have with God, we're the bride of Christ. And the communion is our reminder of that. We need to stay connected on an intimate level with him. We have to keep growing in that. And so sex is that for marriage. It's the reminder that we are one. It's the reminder of that. And so to be violated at, you know, it's a very intimate level that's meant to be there for us to re- reflect our intimacy at a deep level with God, right? And right. so to be violated in that way is a much deeper level of hurt. It is, and especially we, for children, for children oh, and teenagers. Don't the tools. Yeah, they don't, they don't even understand the nature of these relationships and how deeply wounded they are. All they can feel is the pain of it. Um, and then they rationalize that world and and try to make it a nor- they try to normalize that world and it's not normal it's yeah. you know it's not but it's, anyway it's, the delusion comes into that and not of their own fault not, yes, you know exactly. like, right it's they don't have right so that's huge so for everyone no matter how how whatever the level of hurt what are some of the pro- like? I want to talk about some of the processes because um, th- th- forgiveness is not. And I, would you agree with me? I guess I, I don't want. I don't want to make this a statement. Would you agree with me, Chris, that forgiveness isn't a one-time action? Yeah. That it's a process, yes. a journey. It is a process. It is a journey. You know that that phrase, "Time heals all wounds." That's yes. That's a that's a farce. <laughs> I thought you were going to say farce. I like that. I, <laughs> it's I that it, too. Yeah. It, it's a farce. It's a lie. I like that. So it, it because time it does not delib- heal all wounds. Yeah, it does. It takes deliberate action on our part. It does take. You're right. It does take deliberate decision making, and and that's why I was bringing up kind of the backstory about forgiveness and. And because we need to, we need to process what Jesus did to forgive us. Mm-hmm. That's part of the process, and and then we actually need to really understand the scope of the damage that was done to us. It's amazing that that you know on various things and hurts in my life, I will think I have forgiven, but then a year later. As I have changed and grown, I realize, wow, this damage actually went deeper than I thought in my life. And I have to, re- I have to reapply more, for- more of that forgiveness, you know. So would you say, though, that you – would you say previously you hadn't forgiven 
to the level no. that you knew, though? I no, I I did forgive to the okay. level that I knew. Okay. But then, as I changed and grew, um, as the more that I thought about, you know, th- this is a problem. Like, for instance, um, I I struggle with PTSD, and uh, for some serious things. And, and I didn't realize that that the amount of forgiveness that actually has to be involved in all of that, because you Mm -hmm. can begin to harbor bitterness in ways that you don't even realize. You just think, wow, this was a tough time. and, And you kind of make it about your own circumstance. But part of your healing is about forgiving and learning the process to forgive. And, and it's not easy. Jesus, you know, some people would say Jesus makes forgiveness easy or easier. I don't know where I'm at that. I know that Jesus makes my forgiveness more full and complete of others. In other words, that when I say I forgive them, there's a far richer definition to that when I'm doing it in the spirit of God, in my relation, and when I'm sourcing it or outsourcing it out of my relationship with God, rather than outsourcing it out of my DNA and my genetic woolwind last name makeup, you know? Yeah, your, um, your own human strength, trying to I, exert your own... Right. So for the process, can I, can I lay out a process that I've yes. learned and have you speak into that? Sure. Is that okay? And see what you think about this and, and maybe, you know, give your what you've learned. Okay. So this a lot of this comes and I'll say this comes from a book called The Cure is where I first learned it. The the book is um the title is of three different authors and uh, and if I can even think of one at the moment, uh okay. that's gonna be amazing. Um the three different authors Yes. You know those moments where you you know the answer and your okay. mind just I, I just we want to get in the habit of when we reference a book or something if we can put an author so people can look it up uh if they want to purchase that book or something, you know. Three authors, can you forgive me for not remembering the authors? That's okay. We'll forgive you. <laughs> I'll forgive myself too. Uh so the the book is called The Cure, and the subtitle of the book is What If God Isn't Who You Think He Is and Neither Are You? So that will be very easy to find. And in the book, they lay out – I think it's in Chapter 5. They lay out a process of forgiveness I found very helpful for me. It's This is one process. This is not um, – I'm going to make make sure I say this. This is not fully – encompassing for all situations and all people. Uh, but what I found to be helpful, and, and I would like for you to, Chris, to, to uh, talk into this, speak into this, is there There are actually, let's, it's right now, and I'm going to just put a cliffhanger, like those old TV serials back in the 50s that I was not alive for, just want to say that. But uh, let's put a cliffhanger here and uh, let's take a moment to talk about um, some people that we'd love to support with Annie, our producer. 
who is there, I think. I can't hear you, Annie, but I can see your lips moving. Okay. So, uh, oh, does it help? Hold on. There, we got a little bit of you. That was you. Now we don't have How you. About now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we got her. Okay. No. I'm back. Everything cut out on my phone or on my computer, so I had to go back from the phone. So I'm a little wonky. But we would like to thank Linked Local Network for having us on, um, as well as having you guys listen on Linked Local Network, because as a part of that, we have lots of different shows that come a part of Linked Local Network, like Wednesday tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific time. We have community voice chat with members from the Link Local Network. So different people are invited that are a part of our Link Local Network network to be a part of this. And they're going to be talking about falling in love with technology. And Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, they will have the pillars of franchising. So, you know, you can talk about franchising and what that means. And then Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. That is a very specific Pacific time. Um, <laughs> we will also have the Road to Recovery um, on and talking about the journey to recovery. And I think that's Thank all you. I have. Thank you, Annie. I would, I'm here to help I, out. I think what you said is, is right on the money. When you said all of everyone who's listening, I want to say that same thing thank you for everyone who's listening right now and all of those who are going to listen to this on um as a recording of the the podcast we we've had a lot of um listens over the last two weeks it's actually been pretty amazing to me thank you annie for sending those to us so we can see how many listens we've had we've had quite a few and it's been it's been really cool to see that. So everyone who's listening, who can't listen now, who's listening in the days to come, just want to give you a shout out, high five in the air right now. So put your hand up and receive that or your forehead. And thank you for being a part of this. This has been uh, just something that we've felt led to do. And, but it's only, it's only happening for, because people are actually listening. So we're very grateful. Yes. And we would love to hear where you're from and what's, you know, hear from you and what the weather's like and what you're doing. So give us a call and I am going to give that number one more time for this particular podcast, this episode. It is 323-580-5755. 323-580-5755. We would love to hear from you. You can also go on to blogtalkradio.com. If you're already there, there's a comment section. Love for you to just jump on there and give us a question. Disagree with us. It's okay. We, we can handle it. We've got our big boy pants on. Or if you want to agree with us, that's fine too, I guess. So, process. Chris. Yes. Now that now that we're back, here's the process that I've learned again um, from The Cure. And one of the authors is Bill Thrall, I believe. Okay. Last name Thrall. Okay. So 
in the book, they talk about the process really being this whole process really being not about you and the person who offended or hurt or, or violent violated you. It's not a forgiveness is not about you and them that it is actually about you and God. And it is about, again, making the choice to, instead of breaking knees to break free and the process they say is in the process of forgiveness is about you and God. First of all, you, and this is the difficult part. This is why forgiveness is so difficult. The first process, and especially if it's been a long time and this wound is, has, you know, like, like a dead body has sat in the ground and festered. Yes. That you have to dig up the bones again. And the idea of that is you have to go back it's a must for, for in the process of forgiveness to go back and name all the things that it were done to you by that person to go back and re re not relive that, but remember exactly what they said, what they did and the hurt that you felt and, and speak that at least in your mind to God, like to, to, uh, I guess the word would be to pro- the processing of that would be to walk through it, name those things. This is what they said. This is what they did. This is how I felt about it. This is these are the feelings and the things that that they made me feel, and even my own sense of worth that was challenged in that. And then all of it. So the, the reliving of that, the not necessarily reliving of it. And I guess in a case that that's the point is you walk through it again and, and say, these are the things that happened. Then you process the consequences. These are all the things that happened because of what they said and did. These are the things that I began to believe, or I'm believing about myself. These are the things that affected my other relationships. These are the things that other people, uh, how they treated me, how they viewed me out of this circumstance. These are the things that happened in my life because this person did this, all of this other injustice occurred. Name all the consequences as far reaching as you can that were created by this person's actions and words. And that, once you have been able to even writing them down is is a great way of processing for some people's learning styles it's a great way of you know of of processing so processing the things they said and did re- naming that and how you felt about it processing again the consequences working through and naming all those things and then at that point then taking it and laying it at the feet of God in prayer saying, I surrender this to you, all of these things that have happened, we can't re we can't change the past, but what we can do with the past is present it to God and ask him to give us a different perspective on the past. Ask him here, I'm laying all these things at your feet, God. Would you show me how you see me and see see that particular situation 
and announce to God that I surrender them to you. I give them to you. Show me, show me the, everything from your perspective and lay it there. And that's it. That's, that, that's the process of forgiveness, and that's where it ends, within yourself and before God. Until, and if ever, the person comes to you and asks for forgiveness. They make it clear that unless they are coming and, and seeking forgiveness and confessing what they did, that that part of the equation, we never volunteer that. We don't go up to them and say, I forgive you. We actually, we actually, this is the process. We let them come to us. At that point, we're, we freed ourselves, and that process could happen. You know, the first time it's going to be a bloody mess, but over time, if, we, if it comes up again, we walk through the process a little more quickly and go through those three steps of naming what they did, naming all the consequences, surrendering it to God, seeking his, him to forgive them, and asking him to show us his perspective. Right. right. So, uh, and what, what do you think of that? Or what are your thoughts on that process? Do you see other elements or a different process for forgiveness? No, I think that's uh, this idea of process is very important. I think that's an important word. Um, you know, scripture doesn't speak directly to the process, but we do have a real uh, a real example that we can read between the lines, and that's in the Apostle Paul, who before he became a Christian was uh, killing and imprisoning Christians until he came into a relationship with Christ. And you know, if you if you study uh, the work that he was doing, I mean, he, uh, before he became a Christian, he was working his way through every town and village in Judea, from Jerusalem all the way up to Antioch, probably a journey of 300 miles. And he had a contingent of soldiers that he was in the process of, of arresting for the purpose of getting them into a, a trial, a, a religious trial, so that they could either be permanently imprisoned or executed. Because the idea was to extinguish this message of, of Christ. And then, of course, he meets Christ on the road to Damascus, or just outside of Damascus, and, and everything changes. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, uh, Paul... Paul was forgiven, but did he easily forgive himself? And I think, and, and depending on, you know, how you study history or what you look at, uh, it appears that, that Paul began, you know, preaching the gospel and doing ministry, but then uh, after, within that first year, was actually pulled away or pulled out through a variety of of uh circumstances and it looks to me my reading is that he actually pulled away for about 14 years before he shows up again and uh, and Barnabas grabs him you know and pulls him back into ministry so to speak and i'm thinking to myself it's that it's during that 14 years that you know the lord is teaching him and 
and, and revealing things to him in visions. But also I think there is this process of pondering or considering all the lives that he destroyed, all the families that he split up, children and parents, all along the way, that he had to somehow reconcile all that at the cross of Christ to the point where he, he declared he was the least of all the apostles. He, he didn't mm. deserve deserve this. So I have to assume that he had to, he, he had to deal with this process like you're talking about of, of thinking about the harm and the need for forgiving and the need to be forgiven. You know, he, he had to come full circle on all of those things. Uh, I liked when you said uh, writing down, you know, uh, writing down the hurts, making clear exactly what the hurts are. Um, but at the same time, we don't always see Jesus saying, hey, I want you to rehearse everything that has been done to you before you give forgiveness. You know, yeah. Jesus is really saying there is a need. The need is there to forgive. How you get there is not so critical as long as you get there. Yeah. You know, as long as you get to that place of forgiveness. And I think I would um, – there's one – you know, uh, I know – I don't know how much time we have necessarily, but – You've got time. There's There's – You know, my process of forgiveness has grown. It's actually changed. Because, yes, there is a decision or a deciding to forgive and maybe many, many decisions over the course of time to continue to hold that person in forgiveness. Um, but when you say it's about really between God and me, the the one needing to forgive, that is actually really true. But to get there, you do have to process. You know, the, the thing about, about books is that books always, the, the one thing that's missing from books is the actual time that it takes <laughs> right. to actually apply the things that you're reading in a book. Like, oh, I'll read this book, and when I'm done with it, I'll be able to do it. Um... No, these are just tools, but it's, it's, <laughs> it is a very long, uh, hard process depending on the nature of the sin that was uh, uh, done against you. I keep coming back to Jesus saying, love your enemies. And <clears throat> that's a high call. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Um to get to the place where we love our enemies is not instant. However, like I said earlier, the capacity to love our enemies is absolutely there hmm. within us because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy yes. Spirit has given us all the resources of heaven to forgive and love uh, those who have moved into enemy territory with us and or, or against us. But... But now that I have all that, it's really about exploring it. Now, you know, it's like uh, uh, I've arrived at a campground and I've got a whole week to explore the, the forest before me. Uh, well, now it's the process of, of exploring 
this forgiveness and, and how it works and how do I do it? And, uh, and so it doesn't matter necessarily how you do it, although you'll, you'll run into processes that you discover don't work, <laughs> that, it, that it, just, it just gets you into a dependency of, of pain. And really the idea of this, what we said at the beginning of the program of letting go, giving up the power to punish, uh, this is between you and God. It's what's best for you. And I'm just going to say this. I, uh, I was writing this down as you were talking. It's about yielding in love. It's, it's, it's like pre, instead of forgiving, it's pre-giving. <laughs> um, and what do I mean by that? It's, it's like if someone breaks into my home, and they take my jewelry, and they take my dad's ring, mm. let's say. And then, you know, I call the police, and they do, I do a big report. And about three weeks later, I'm hanging out with some friends, and I discover that one of my friends is wearing my dad's ring. Oh, wow. Okay. So... Now I've got a big problem because as I confront them, they're embarrassed by that or they'll whatever, you know, I, I don't want to go into that whole scenario, but this is my friend. This is the one I love and they did this to me. Can I restore this relationship? How do I restore this relationship? Let's say that my friend doesn't give the ring back to me. Okay, um, now I've got a rift in the relationship. I've got a broken relationship because that ring is more important than the relationship he has with me. Okay, so I've got an issue of forgiveness there. But let's say that um, uh, he does give it back to me. He says, oh, Chris, I'm so sorry, you know, and uh I don't know what got into me. I was in a, de a delusion. <laughs> sort, you know. I am so sorry. Can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? Well, now it's on me. What am I going to do? How do I do this? How do I trust him again? Yeah. Okay. There's all these, these issues. However, when I, when I think about this, if, if, I, if I could create my own scenario, I would ask, why didn't you just ask for the ring? Why, didn't you, why did you feel compelled to take it from me? Why did you have to steal it from me? Why couldn't you just ask for it? If I loved you, I would have given it to you, perhaps. In other words, I would have given what you took. I would have given it, and this rift wouldn't have, have happened. And so then when I stretch that out, I go, wow, forgiveness is really giving in advance of, mm. of, of the harm. In other words, what if I knew that he needed a ring or that he really coveted this ring? If I had known that, maybe I would have given it to him in advance. Well, then, it, then I'm realizing, okay, 
what about for, for my friend who refuses to give it back? And I've got a rift. Well, now I've got to forgive him. What if I just use my other my the other part of the illustration, and in my heart I give him the ring? Hmm. He's refusing. He's refusing to give it back. But forgiveness or pre-giveness is I'm deciding right now. You can have this ring. And I have talked with. Uh, uh, people who have suffered uh, molestation or rape or things like that. People, uh, women, well, even a guy who have come to the other side of this act of violence and have forgiven. And I, and I, I actually asked them about this. And on a couple of occasions they said, yes, you're exactly right. It's, it's like, I gave you my virginity. You took it from me, but no, now you didn't take it from me. I'm not a victim this way anymore. I am giving you. I am giving you what belonged to me. And in doing that, it's like what we talked about at the beginning, letting go. I am... I'm, I'm giving up the power to punish so that I can be free. Um, do you think – So th those are some of my thoughts on that. Do you think in that – the thought that comes to mind in the process of doing what you're talking about, the pre-giving, Chris, do you think that seeking understanding – of the other person and yeah. and their pain, their pain. Uh, yeah. There's that statement of hurting people hurt people. Hurt people. And uh, do you think I I, I often I often hear it, when it comes to relationships and and seeking unity with people, whether it's in groups or in closer one on more one on one that making statements there's a vast difference between making statements and asking questions and and our level of understanding like the question you asked well why didn't you just ask me for the ring what was going on that you needed to think you needed right. to steal that and so what is there my question is how, what what is that kind of like process of 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 understanding the person of seeking to understand why this person like what has happened in their life or what like, do you think that there's a place in that in the in the process of forgiveness seeking to understand their their hurts and what they in the process of pre-giving to them yeah i think there definitely is but when the action of sin or hurt happens, that's hard to get there immediately. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which is why I think there is a, a level of grace when we talked about that Matthew 6 passage. You know, forgive, uh, uh, you know, make sure you forgive. Otherwise, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. That's a black and white statement. But in reality... Uh, what Jesus is looking for is 
you need to get to forgiveness. However you get there, get there. And there is a process. And I think you're bringing up another aspect that could be very helpful is, is knowing what the need is of the other person. Knowing, knowing them can be helpful. Now, some of us have been harmed by people, and we don't want to know them. <laughs> right. And, and I think there's, there's a good point in that right there, that there's a difference. A lot of people confuse forgiveness and trust. They, they think once, once I've, you know, this is a big argument against forgiveness. It's like, oh, well, if I forgive them, then they're just going to do it again. They're just going to, if I forgive them, they're just going to go right back to what they're doing. And there's like an assumption, I think, there's an assumption in that statement that if I forgive them, then the relationship is restored to a level of interaction right and that is i would That's say not true. that is not true okay you would agree with me yeah. that that is not true that yeah. there's there's a vast difference yes. between forgiving someone again forget my my statement that, or that i believe to be true is that forgiveness is not about you and them it is about you and God, and it really right. is in that interaction that forgiveness happens. Trust yeah. is about you and them. Correct. And that may never happen. Oh right. yes, exactly. And it may, and if, if they're a constant a person who constantly violates, that you, that there's a you can forgive and protect yourself. There are people yeah. in my life, for instance. And maybe it would be the same for you. There are people in my life that I have forgiven, but I don't even there. There are family members even that I have to interact with because they're family and you can't get away from that at some level. And that, but I protect myself very carefully in what I say and how much information I divulge to that yeah. person because I I, there are certain individuals that if I give them too much information, that becomes weapons, either yes. either towards me or towards other family members. And Chris, you I, you said something earlier that was beautiful. You said your and from my end, it was, it was hard for you, but from my end, what you said was just a an interesting statement of forgiving. The, the the thing you had to forgive that certain guy who pastored was not for what he did to you, but what the the community, the church community endured. And and there are times where forgiveness and trust are about you know forgiveness is about me and God, but trust is not only about me and that person; it is about the other people involved yeah. in around us that I have to not just protect myself, I have to protect the other people. And so there's a huge difference between, we have to make that, I think we have to make that very clear. The process of forgiveness is about me and God. Trust is another matter entirely. And I may never be able to be in the interactions with that person beyond even surface level, sometimes not even that. Yes, yes, absolutely, 100% agree. Um, there is no, I can't even find, uh, something in scripture that would say that, um, 
forgiveness means that now we can be friends and you can live in my house. <laughs> um, because forgiveness is something that I am doing. But they, in order to earn trust, they have to do some things. They have to change certain behaviors. You know, the person I forgive may not change their behavior. Right. And and they might be very either volatile or uh, toxic or or whatever they might be. They might be uh, dangerous for others. Um, if if I have to forgive somebody in prison, I can forgive them in prison, and I and they can stay forgiven even when they're released. But that doesn't mean that I have to be friends with them. It doesn't mean that I actually have to confront them and say I forgive you. You, you don't. I don't see a call to do that. It's that the call is Jesus is saying you need to get to the place of a forgiveness, and. And the kind of forgiveness I want you to have is a forgiveness that realizes that I have forgiven you. Mm-hmm. That's where we access. That's where we access this, the power of God and the and and you know to take this to a, a deeper level even is is that this yielding in love that forgiveness demonstrates is critical to a spiritual growing relationship with God. In other words, the statement of Jesus really is saying, if you are not able to forgive, you cannot grow with me. If you're going to become like me, then you need to learn this process of forgiving. A refusal to forgive puts puts a stop or a damper on spiritual growth. And so if there is unforgiveness in our life, that's something that we can't just stick on a shelf somewhere and expect that we're going to grow in our relationship with God because, you know, we use the word festering or the burying of unforgiveness. Uh, that thing will take root and it will it will put up all kinds of walls and uh, a different a different understanding of God's morality. We begin to put our own morality, and and we can even if we let things grow bitter in this place, that bitterness will crop up in other relationships. We can begin to categorize people and measure people because we're not actually cleansing. Our closet isn't clean. We're, we're, yeah. We've got this dirty, jammed-up closet full of unforgiveness of things people have done for us, against us. And God is saying, I need you to let go of all that. I need that closet clean if we're going to grow. But what you just said there is the, the, the spreading of the bitterness. When we've been hurt by one person, and this is what I, I was just processing this as you were talking, Chris, is we, if we've been hurt by one person – and we don't walk through the process of, of forgiveness, then we we become that hurt becomes a defensive mechanism to yeah. that, that okay, we've been hurt by that person, then we can be hurt by others. In other words, when we have don't forgive, we get defensive and protective, 
We're not willing to be vulnerable with other people. It spreads into our other relationships because if it happened once, it can happen again. Now I have to defend myself because I have not forgiven. I won't become vulnerable. I get defensive, and defensiveness is an indicator of insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so this is, and there's something else that happens in that, I think. When we won't let them go, I said forgiveness earlier. I said forgiveness is the eviction notice, right. right? To get them out of my heart and mind. And if I won't forgive, I'm letting them live rent-free in yeah. my heart and mind, continually walking around inside of me saying the same hurtful things, the same, doing the same hurtful things over and over again in my imagination and in, in my thoughts and my feelings. I'm experiencing the hurt over and over again. And I said earlier, hurt people hurt people. Well, those who don't forgive, if there, there's something, something about the way God wired us. And I think it's he wired us as humans in a good way that the more we hang out with people, the more we become like them because he wanted us to be in a relationship with him more than anyone else. So the more we hang out with God, the more we, his character, we begin to think like him, talk like him, the more we pray and, and read scripture and the more we do the practices, postures we talked about last week. Yes. The opposite, unfortunately, is true. When we don't forgive someone and we let them live rent-free in our hearts and minds, that person stays very close to us because we don't let them go, as you said. We don't yield them. And so what happens? Mm. If the true reality is the person you hang out with the most is the person you become like, the person that you hang out the most is the person you won't forgive and evict out of your heart and mind and this is why many people who have abusive alcohol, I believe anyway, that many people who have abusive, alcoholic fathers that swore they'll never become like them, who never forgive, become just like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with the alcoholism, but with other things. Mm-hmm. If they don't forgive, because they allow that person to stay and live rent-free in their heart and mind. And so they become the hurt people that bitterness grows and they become defensive and protective and that they begin to hurt other people. They actually go on the offensive to be defensive. Correct. Because they're hiding that that thing there. Would you agree with or disagree with any of that? No, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. That That is the strength and weakness of human human nature and it's really it's a strength but the reason it's a it's a weakness is because of sin sin just corrupts everything good <laughs> that that god has uh, designed us for and uh so by reconnecting with jesus christ uh in a relationship with him we are actually on a different track now of mm-hmm sin and and the corruption of sin being removed from our minds being transformed by the renewing of our minds mm. instead of being conformed to the world and uh, and this whole forgiveness thing is really about transformation isn't it yes uh, yes yes because you, you what you just said like we're, we're spiritual transformation happens one way or the other um we are being transformed all the time 
And what you said was so insightful, I thought a while ago. You said bitterness grows. Like it spills out. And so unforgiveness. You said it first, but anyway, go ahead. Well, okay, I'll take the, the <laughs> brilliant uh, credit there. But, uh, the, but, but here's the issue, right? If the bitterness spills out, if, if the bitterness does really spill out to other people, there's, there's, there's another warning about unforgiveness. We, we think it's static. You know, our unforgiveness right. stays like it is. Man, it does not. It does not. If you hold on to unforgiveness, that thing grows. You feed that beast, and yep. it grows, and it corrupts, like you said. Sin corrupts, and it corrupts your mind, our minds. I should say my mind. Uh-huh. If I hold on to unforgiveness, it corrupts my mind, my heart, until it affects every other relationship. And the people that I love the most, I become like the person that I won't forgive. And I begin to hurt the people I care about the most. And I wound them. And it's forgiveness breaks the cycle. It does. It breaks the it cycle. It's, it most certainly does. And I think this is why it is. I mean, think of it. Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. I mean, it shows up over and over and over again in the New Testament. It's stressed over and over again. Why? Because forgiveness stops something. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. changes everything. Yes. It changes everything. And when it's given not, not because not because it's supposed to be given, but because it's given out of love, oh, okay. And this is why God forgave. He gave out of love, not, be, not just because it was the right thing to do. That's a good thing, and that's, that's, a, that's a righteous thing because God does right things. He cannot do any wrong. But there's even a greater motivation, and it's this love thing. And to me, when I'm... You know, in my early days in my faith, I didn't really think of the equation forgiveness is a way for me to express my love. Forgiveness was a way for me to make sure I'm I'm okay with God. Mm. Okay. So I need to forgive this person. I need to get my closet clean. I wasn't thinking about my my life or, you know, the you know, uh I was concerned about spiritual growth, but I was, I was doing it because it was the right thing to do and because Jesus commanded it, okay? But now, having gone through the wilderness that I've gone through and harmed uh, almost countless times in, in, by many different individuals, I realized, wow, the forgiveness that, that God is asking of me is a forgiveness that comes out of my own love. And where do I get my own love? Because my own love is corrupted. Yes. Well, it's because he first loved me. Yes. Oh, so if I am drenched, nourished, cleansed because of his love, then I most certainly don't have anything to hold on to. I'm going to hold on to Christ. I'm not going to hold on to this victim mentality, and I'm not going to hold on to this debt 
you know what? I want God's love more than I want this debt. Because what Jesus is really saying, if you're going to hold on to this debt that this person has, or that you are holding over this person, you are saying that that debt is more important than the kingdom of heaven. You're saying it's more important than, than everything I have for you. And I think, see, that's where that Matthew 6 gets to the deepest kernels of, of what we're talking about here. It's, it's, it's more than just a black and white thing. This is about letting go so that I can receive the kingdom of heaven. Yes. But, if, then, I, yes. but if I do this little bargain of, oh, I'm going to hold on to the fact that this, my friend took this ring, my dad's ring from me, and I'm going to hold on to that till the day I die, well, what have I done? I've just said that ring is more important than the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And, and I love you brought it back to that account that Matthew wrote in chapter 6 of, uh, about Jesus' statement that right after, down farther in the forgiveness thing, you just referenced it. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, right? All the things that we're after. And we often, I think, think about the physical side, like, oh, God, you know, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, we'll be given all these things. We'll be given a good job. We'll be given whatever, a house, you know, that will be taken care of financially. But the most important thing for all of us that we're after with those things is peace and joy and, and we freedom from worry and anxiety and insecurity. And the idea of seeking first his kingdom is that what you said, Chris, is that receiving God's kingdom is a kingdom of giving. God's kingdom is a kingdom of of his kingdom is a kingdom of, of receiving his love and jo- his joy for us. God, like for every one of us, God enjoys us. God is proud of us. He's constantly pouring out his Thanksgiving. Any uh, Chris is off just so you know. But he's constantly pouring that stuff out. His love and his his patience, his kindness and gentleness. No, I can't hear you, Chris. Towards us. Did you hit your mute on your thing again? I can see you. Chris, did you hit the mute button? I don't know if you can hear me. Okay. But I'm still in. So anyway, the mute, the mute, the, <laughs> the idea of the kingdom of God is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That idea of righteousness is so important. God's righteous, righteousness, what he says he will do, what he says about himself is true. That's what righteousness means. It's righteous to do what you say you'll do. And God promises that he is pouring out his love for us, that he will always protect us. Even when we get hurt, he will, like Paul said these words, the Apostle Paul said, you know, to be bent but not broken, right? So there's that we will get hurt, but God protects us from the ultimate shattering and, and from that. If we trust his righteousness, if we trust 
that he really is pouring out his love, that he is what he says is true, that he will protect us, provide for us, that he loves us, that he has everything we need. That helps us, that helps us with the resistance because unforgiveness is the resistance to believe that and to receive his forgiveness and his love towards us. And I wish I had Chris right now. <laughs> so we have some technical difficulties. But if you're if you're there and you want to call in. He's not here. I'm like, he's not here, but I'm here. Yes. He can, uh, I gave him a different number to call. Okay. And, and this is actually. Don't you worry. This is actually. Go ahead. I think we're. We're, we're hitting a good point to stop anyway. I think we've, I think we've hit. Give, I can see you, Chris. So if you want to give me a thumbs up, he's or back. Thumbs he's down. back. Hold on, you're good. Okay. He's back. You can talk, Chris. It's okay. okay, Chris. <laughs> the sounds of silence. Oh, he's nope, not back. He's not working. He's not big. Okay. Just well. Kidding. All right. Well, let's do this. We'll. Uh, I think we. That is probably the uh, the sign from God. end. <laughs> that we're good to go. And so, I just want to say a couple things before we we. Uh, Chris, no, I thought I heard a sound for a second. A couple things. Chris is awesome. He obviously has so much insight, so much experience that he brings to this. And if you're ever in San Luis Obispo County, slow County, and you uh, would love to connect with Chris, he works at Atascadero Christian Home, which is a retirement community, an incredible retirement community. And so he's the chaplain. He serves as the chaplain there. And uh, if you're looking for a retirement community, that is an incredible place and has an incredible chaplain. So uh, definitely reach out to him there. Uh, as for me, I would love uh, for for people who are coming to Slow County and you would love to connect with me. I am, uh, again, you can look at our website is elevateslow.com, elevateslo.com. Uh, I would love for you to connect. You can connect through, there's an email there or in a phone number. would love to hear from you if you're coming into the area. For those who are local, definitely reach out for to us because we would love to talk to you. If not, uh, anytime soon, you can always reach us next week. We'll be right back here uh, at 7 o'clock Pacific time. That's a specific time. Pacific time, 7 p.m. We'll be here and we will let you know within a few days what our topic is going to be for next week. Love to talk to you. Thank you guys so much for listening live and also listening to this podcast. We appreciate you and uh, tell all your friends and have a great week until we talk again. Yeah.